0: what is up everybody welcome to the week three dfs mvp podcast i'm your host tj Hernandez, is the director of dfs at 444.com as always with my regular co-hosts mr john Daigle and pat corain boys how was your week two
1: uh dfs was not not great but you know uh good week two overall
2: I feel like we you got quite a few people on the correct plays last week. I did not yes. parse it together correctly personally yeah. because I had a lot of Jamar Chase more than anything, which took up a lot of salary, but everything made sense. We talk about paying down at quarterback, and Brock Purdy ended up winning the Spy and the $50 Red Zone, a 4-for-4 four four subscriber one with the Brock nice. Purdy stack, the the red zone. And then uh, the Millie maker was Geno Smith paid down for that. So overall, yeah, I think we were on the right spots, hoping to get it right again this week
0: yeah the four for four discord had a massive week if you've been paying attention to twitter uh you know our cash game lineups have been crushing it i mean we're probably not going to run not probably we're definitely not going to run this hot all season but 86 percentile lineup week one 96 percentile week two and then we did have a couple takedowns in the discord uh as always you know the subscribers do better than the analysts but that's what we're here for uh (laughs) if you haven't got in that discord yet uh you can click on the link in the description below use the promo code youtube to save 25 percent off uh four 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 subscription at 444com slash plans and just a reminder if you haven't upgraded your dfs subscription yet we've partnered with the solver the best optimizer in the game so you could upgrade the plan to that get fully uh, for, uh projections fully synced to the solver automatically as long as you're a four 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 sub and as always with mr coraine uh one of the biggest pieces of content that we're paying attention to each week is his week three walkthrough uh at his website legendary Jordan Addison was a cover boy for that this week. Before we get into uh, the analysis this week, Karain, any big highlights from the walkthrough that you want to touch on?
1: I think we'll get to um, Addison for sure because that's kind of the game of the week. Um, mm-hmm. I did I did kind of want to name it after Tyreek Hill because I think this is just such a massive spot and it was a little bit of a yeah. layup for me. But for I, sure. I felt like I uh, needed, to, needed to take a bigger swing and go with Addison. But I think there's some really interesting guys in the late games as well, well, we'll talk about um, that, have quite high ceilings. I always name it after someone in the one o'clock window, uh, but there's some really high upside guys in the later window, I think.
0: Yeah, we have a pretty unique slate this week um, massive chalk on one game. Uh, we only have three games in the late slate and nine in the early slate. As always, the NFL just butchering that opportunity to have um, even split and better slate in the afternoon. Uh, but also we have some weather this week. Uh, early in the week, it was a hurricane. Watch doesn't look like there's going to be any true hurricane hitting the coast. Uh, but we do have eight games with potential rain, five games with wind gusts over 10 miles per hour. So uh, just both of you kind of a general question, because on these weeks, it seems like, you no. Know, no matter what we say, no matter how many times we say, we, you know, we're looking at the projections. The number one question we get from subs or just on Twitter is like, what about the weather? What about the rain? Uh, I'll start with you, David. Like, how do you typically handle weather, especially when it's like last minute things?
2: I genuinely wait until Sunday morning to make my decision. I reached out even after hearing about the hurricane, which is expected to in affect the Colts-Ravens game, and Washington-Bills the most. I immediately reached out to uh, our good friend, Chris Allen, over at Fantasy Life, and asked him to look into it. And so far, it doesn't seem like it's expected to impact by game time. Um, Again, 48 hours to go. And so I usually just wait and see what ownership by kickoff is going to do with all of it, especially because – Ravens Colts could be fun that could be an overlooked spot even skinny stacks since those are two teams we're attacking through the air so I'll wait until Sunday morning um and just stick around in the discord and we'll probably have an answer for you by the time we jump on for our chat at 11 a.m eastern
0: uh Corrine I mean I typically am of the school of thought that like if you have any good projection model if you're looking at Vegas numbers if those numbers aren't moving um, or are moving like all of that stuff is accounted for already, right? So if the point total isn't moving, like Vegas isn't ignoring these things. Like I'm looking at projections. I'm looking at totals. And if they don't move, it is what it is. I'll take the risk. How are you? How do you usually play these spots?
1: Yeah, I think that's right. Um, I think from what I understand, and most of my knowledge on this comes from listening to to Chris Allen. <laughs> I, mean, I think he's done an amazing job. Shut on up. Stuff. And, um, but I do think there's like maybe a little bit higher chances that, the game can outright fail if it's Mm -hmm. like pretty bad weather, but I don't know that we're to, to any of like nothing this week strikes me as something where we need to even start getting worried about that. Yeah. Uh, That, that would be if I saw the total coming down and I knew it was going to be a popular game or, you know, it was a game I was really wanting to play before the weather stuff. Then I probably just have in the back of my mind, that there's a chance that like the average outcome that we're all trying to account for, you know, there's some, some more tail end downside outcomes that could yep, really exactly. this thing, and that that's maybe something to keep in mind when, when it gets colder. But this week it seems, you know, nothing crazy.
0: Yeah. We've done lots of studies, like unless it's a torrential downpour or winds are like steady between 15 and 20 miles per hour higher, like for the most part, things aren't affected too big. You could go to four for four and look look at some of the old studies from Chris Allen with some evergreen content um, that holds up. I mean, kind of a cop out is like, you know, it's a tiebreaker if you have projections and you're worried about like a flooring cash games or something in GPPs. I mean if people are really overweighting this stuff still, and we're going to get crazy low ownership, um, on a guy that's still projecting really well, well in the weather, uh, probably an opportunity for us GPPs. Uh, but just wanted to get your guys quick thoughts there because so many games, uh, could not, could be affected or at least, uh, um, the perception is that they'll be affected this week. But let's get right into it, starting with the potential shootouts and, and then getting to uh, teams with the high totals. I mean, really, we have so many games with big spreads this week that we really only have one game that's standing out as a shootout. The rest of these games, we're kind of hoping these other teams will keep pace uh, to turn it into something where the teams we like uh, will keep their foot on the gas. But the big one, early game, Vikings versus Chargers, 54-point total. The spread is only one in that game. We're getting massive chalk everywhere. Pat, I'll start with you on the Viking side. As we mentioned, Addison was your cover boy this week. Uh, Chargers allowing the second most fantasy points to quarterbacks and the most points to wide receivers. We know everybody's going to be on Jefferson. Cousins is going to be the chalk. Do you have any preference on how to get unique uh, here? We've we've kind of maybe given it away a little bit, but Chargers are super vulnerable against the deep ball through two weeks.
1: Yeah, I don't know that you're going to be able to get unique you know, I think you can kind of like how much chalk do you want to, do you want to eat here? Um, and you're probably like the plays that are like, you know, less popular probably still be pretty popular. Yeah. Um, I thought maybe after Joshua Kelly burned everyone that he would be an interesting angle off of this. And then I could do like a little mini with him and Jordan Addison. that was kind of where my, my head went first. And and that seems like it's going to be plenty well-owned. So I don't know about that. Um, I will just say with the reason I'm, I'm excited about Addison in particular, I mean, obviously Justin Jefferson is an absolute smash in, in this spot, but yeah. the chargers are allowing 15 plus yard passes on 26% of their dropbacks. That's the highest rate in the NFL. Part of that's because they've played Miami. They lit up 17 explosive passes in week one. Uh, so that, that is part of it. But I do think this is a really good matchup for the Vikings and Jordan Addison in particular who has an eight out of 16.5, which is just absurd. Um, He is getting targeted deep downfield. And the interesting thing about him is that he's not seeing a lot of double coverage. He's been double covered at just a 30th percentile for wide receivers, which makes sense. Like you can't really count for him because you also have to deal with Justin Jefferson. And TJ Hawkinson is drawing a lot of underneath coverage. So you get this first round rookie who's going to, I think, see a lot of like singled up coverage and attacking deep where this defense is the weakest, um, highest total game of the, of the week. I do really want to have some Addison. It's not going to be contrarian. though. I think maybe it won't be super, super popular, but I, I think it's going to be kind of like maybe it comes in 15 or something and, and you kind of deal with that.
0: Yeah. Right now we have at four for four, we have Addison, Osborne and Hawkinson all projecting for single digit ownership. I think at least one of those guys gets steamed on Sunday. I mean, that's also just kind of like the math of it. It's just always, it's going to be hard to always to project five guys on the same team for, you know, 12 to 15%. It just doesn't shake out that way. But I think one of those guys. Um, does get stained, but I mean, if it was clean cut, if we had Addison running 90% of the routes and uh, you know, getting a a 15% target share. He wouldn't be have a, he wouldn't even have a chance to be underowned right he would just be yeah. 15 20 percent like everyone else so like we, we kind of want that like dirty projection in this spot um so I, I do think yes. there's a chance as if you know if Hawk is the one that gets the steam that um, addison you know even if Addison comes at nine percent that could take the 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 stank off of the big ownership if you stack this game um Dagle and- on the other side sorry go ahead
1: so I just want to say for DFS purposes, one of the reasons I, I do like him is that he isn't running all the routes. He only has 72% right. route participation, which is pretty low for you know wide receiver we'd be really excited about. But I think one, KJ Osborne is not really doing anything ahead of him. I think he could see a bit of a playing time bump this week, even if he doesn't, yeah. he's running enough routes to be usable because he's getting targeted at a high rate when on the field. So and specifically getting targeted downfield. So I kind of like from the DFS perspective that it's a little bit of leap of faith on the routes because, yeah, hopefully that keeps ownership in check.
0: I mean, with with all of these rookies, especially wide receivers, we need to get there before they hit, right? Once they hit, it's mm-hmm. it's a wrap. So we, we need to be chasing it um, before it happens. Daigle, on the Chargers side, I don't think we have a chance to um, get unique because – their target share is so concentrated. They're the only team that doesn't have at least three players with a 10% target share. Everything's going to Allen and Williams. And then as Corrine mentioned, Kelly probably just stays chalky because of this game. I mean, I'm not going to ask you how to get unique on this side. How do you think it's most likely to play out on the Charger side be- between those big three?
2: I think it's going to be a similar game plan to week one rather than week two against the Titans. Week one, of course, is when Eckler, Kelly had 16 carries each. Justin Herbert was schemed five scrambles, more of a run-heavy approach as they ranked top eight and run play rate on early downs in their first three quarters, which highlights their intent. We just saw how the Vikings play defense. Even as Brian Flores was getting punched in the mouth for six yards per carry, uh, through two games, that defense has played man coverage in only two total snaps. They don't budge from what they do. They will blitz you, as they've done at the first and second highest rates in the leagues in the first two games, and they will play high safeties and allow you to run on them, which is what makes me high on Josh Kelly. And after Kelly ran a route on 66% of dropbacks, I just thought we were going to get bounced back or I'll, we were going to get under-rostered Kelly for recency bias is clearly in every touch option in this game? But yes, we were all scouring the projections earlier, and right now it seems like we have Kelly twenty-two plus percent rostered, and so it breaks my heart because it is an amazing yeah. spot. I think that's how this game fails and doesn't go over as well is through the running game. So I kind of want to play Kelly for all those reasons, but outside of that, I'm I'm not exactly sure, especially as you mentioned with all the rain involved, what I'm going to do just yet because I. I just explained how this game comes under and this game fails. That wouldn't be surprising at all. Uh, But at the same time, we're also seeing because of how Flores plays defense, that historically is catered to Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen last year against zone coverage, which, again, as we said, is all the Vikings are doing, 15th in yards per route run. He's 14th in yards per route run this year against zone coverage. He just doesn't miss a beat in that department. So those are my two favorite plays for the Chargers in this game. I just don't know yet how the hell I'm going to play it.
1: Yeah, one thing I mean, about let's... this game like failing is that it's still six games above the next game in terms of the to- six points higher than the next highest total. So he can kind of fail by a touchdown and still be really hot.
0: Yeah. One thing to keep in mind with- in games like this, when everybody is chalk, that doesn't mean that a lot of lineups are playing all of these players together. So you can still get a a unique combination with a lot of chalky players. Think back to that Seattle, Detroit game last year, mega chalk. It hit with like six players in the lineup, like four of them are 20% or something like that. So you can stack four 20% players in this game, throw in a couple more for a mega onslaught. That's going to be a unique combination. You still need unique players elsewhere, um, but keep that in mind. That could still be a unique combination. As far as cash cash games go. uh, We have cousins as a top two value on FanDuel at 7800 uh but probably cash game option on both sites. Jefferson is a top 2 wide receiver in terms of 4 for 4 value on both sites. He's currently in the FanDuel optimal. Mike Williams is a top 4 wide receiver value on DraftKings. He is in the DraftKings optimal right now, so keep that in mind for cash. Um jumping to these high total big spread games. Uh, The next one up is the Dolphins, six and a half point favorites, 27.25 team total, 48 point total on that game. Broncos defense has been uh, pretty much abysmal so far uh, Mm -hmm. this, uh, this year. Daigle, we have a big question mark in this game with Jalen Waddle's health. He did get a limited practice in on Friday. So that means he could still get cleared on Saturday. Mm -hmm. So we're kind of waiting to see on that. um, If, as of now, we have huge projections on Raheem Oster and Tyreek Hill. Maybe Durham Smythe is chalky if Waddle is out. Regardless of how this plays out, we're going to have an interesting spot with Tua. He is basically the same price as Kirk Cousins, but he's going about to get half of the ownership. Uh, is this a legit pivot off of that Chargers-Vikings uh, game?
2: I do think this environment is absolutely a legit pivot. You ask about what happens if the Chargers-Vikings come under, which games can go over. And I think there are two games I'm eyeing right now that I have a lot of interest in. And one is stacking this game across the board because at least the early results are the Broncos giving signals to be constant over games. Denver's offense has scored a touchdown on their possessions at the fifth highest rate in the league so far. So, And this includes that Hail Mary, of course, but they haven't been the issue so far. As you mentioned, TJ, it's been their defense, a defense that's creating pressure at only the 29th rate in the league right now even though they blitz at the seventh highest rate we just saw the commanders come off 35 points with ease and the raiders are top seven in touchdowns on their possessions in week one so i do think both sides will have success here which gives us the right formula to target and what makes it more strategic fun and complicated is that even i don't know how to stuck russell wilson i think cash games you're the one figuring out the pools right now I think cash games and maybe even tournaments will come down to playing Tyreek Hill and Justin Jefferson. How do you do yeah. that? Because that's the theme of the slate, mm-hmm. the two most important players in this game that arguably can't fail even as wide receivers. And so to do that, I start thinking about spinning down at quarterback. I start thinking about some 3K wide receivers. And and I, unfortunately, like a lot of 3K wide receivers, we'll talk about later. But Russell Wilson, it's just hard because I do not know where to stack him here. Uh, Javante Williams would be interesting given that his rate of backfield touches increased last week up to 74% from week one. He's also now going back to the preseason. He's been targeted on 42% of his routes. The issue is he is very clearly not recovered because he has zero juice right now, 3.7 yards per touch. Not only that, but Sean Payton gave Jaleel McLaughlin one touch last week, and it was the Broncos' only backfield touch inside the 10-yard line, the most important part for fantasy. So we can't trust P. Ryan or Javante inside the 10-yard line either. So that kind of takes me away from that. And then Jerry, Judy, and Cortland Sutton, just in the context of the slate, aren't value salary-wise. They're pretty mm-hmm. tough to get to, uh, pricing that mid-6K tier. So I, I think about it, and I'm like, I guess – Adam Troutman's right here. His only target was inside the 10-yard line, and he only earned one target. But I guess he was at least out there with no other tight end being involved in the passing game. So it's just tough. But I do think Russell Wilson is a value that I don't know how to get to and stack around just yet.
0: Yeah, I, my my guess would be that if when it comes down to it, there's just so many good quarterbacks on the slate that we're probably giving up a little too much projection with Russell Wilson, even if we get the ownership discount, especially with us getting ownership discount on 2 so But w- go ahead.
2: My lone argument against that is that football is not good right now everyone's <laughs> knocking the yeah. rust off. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. like, if we were going to go down at quarterback, I genuinely think the first month of the season is the time to do that. Since Fair. even Desmond Ritter was the QB 12 last week. Cause he got pushed into 10 carries. Um, like why can't I? And again, we talked about Gino and Brock Purdy being paid down options last week. Why can't that happen again with a 5,900 Russ with a 5k Desmond Ritter? Um, you know, I, I could definitely see those situations happening this early in the year.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, that that's super fair. And Karin, I mean, talk us through a little bit more on that side. We, we saw Mims pop in limited time last week. Um, it, is, it, it's such a small snap share that, like, I don't know if we could take the leap yet. And the only thing I would say about this, like, unconcentrated target share is they just are starting to get healthy. Right, Jer- Jerry, Jerry, Judy just played last week. Like, do we start to see this thing concentrate at least a little bit compared to what we saw the first two weeks?
1: Yeah, I think when you look at Cortland Sutton versus Jerry Judy, I go, okay, Judy could be interesting because they're kind of like their profile through two weeks looks pretty similar, and Judy's coming off a serious injury and Sutton's just out there. So I'm like, you know, there's a chance that Judy's kind of going to pass Sutton as soon as he gets back to full health, and that's obviously what we thought would happen before the season. And so you can kind of take a little bit of a leap of faith there but I agree with Daigle. Like the the way these salaries are coming in does not make me want to play Judy. It's just sort of going to be tough to fit. Uh, and then I do not like what the Broncos are doing with Marvin Mims because they're not putting him out there. He's a twenty percent route participation. I don't think we can mess with that. Like that's just yeah. this is not high enough. So he's
2: he's ran twenty routes and he leads the Broncos in receiving yards. That's how good he is. He just needs good. more run. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and I think they're probably bringing him along like he's a second round pick. They clearly believe in him, but it's like they're putting this on his plate. He's he's crushing that. It's like, all right, let's put a little more on your plate. Right. And probably by like week eight or week nine, we're going to be like super psyched about Marvin Mims. But yeah, that's a while from now. So I don't I don't think we're we're going there. And so I just I want to play Tyreek a lot. Like I think Tyreek could really crush whether or not Waddle goes. I think this Broncos defense is real bad. Um it's kind of, you know, this is a, a defense we didn't expect to be, like, terrible, but they're kind of popping in a, in a number of different ways as being very vulnerable against the pass in particular. Uh, they're 29th in EPA out per drop back. They're getting quick pressure. That's pressure in 2.5 seconds or less at the 30th highest rate. And then ESPN rolled out these player tracking metrics. Um, you can check them out for free, ESPN Analytics. They, they uh, use the player tracking metrics to see – if guys are winning within 2.5 seconds and their pass rush ranks 27th in that metric. So it's like, they're not getting to the quarterback quickly. And for the player tracking data, that makes perfect sense because they're not winning quickly either. So I think like when you look at Tua and what could disrupt this passing attack, it is pressure. Right. And they they probably get Armstead back this week. So, you know, they're kind of like, maybe a little bit tougher than they've been. And then, they're going against this this unit that's not going to be able to do much about what they're going to be doing on offense. So I think that I think the Dolphins put up points with ease and probably through the air. Um, it's just like how do I attack this from a DFS perspective?
0: Yeah, going back to what Daigle said the last couple of weeks, like what are what should these guys be owned versus what are they owned? So even if Tyreek is like chalky or like the second highest owned wide receiver this is probably a spot where he should be like 35 percent, and he's going to come in at like 20 percent. and you could kind wow. of say the same thing for justin jefferson but you can tell yourself a cleaner story of like how jefferson doesn't get through, through touchdowns like there's just more guys on his team that can score the touchdowns where tyreek i mean he could go two hundred and three, like pretty easily in this like, spot, like Especially if like if Durham Smythe is taking ownership yeah. away from him, like what yeah. like what are we even talking about here? So I, I think um if we get nineteen percent Tyreek, I'm gonna be pretty happy with that. Oh yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh from if, a cash game if, per- if, Jalen,
2: if Jalen Waddles out, it probably increases, but even so, given the game environment, I, I think I really like Tyreek Hill better than Justin Jefferson if you're choosing one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Um, from a cash game standpoint, Tyreek and Jefferson are lapping the wide receiver field in projection and value score. Uh, the way salary shake out, you're probably going to have to coin flip it kind of comes down to how comfortable you are stacking in cash. If you assume like cousins and Mike Williams are in your cash game lineup, it just depends if you're comfortable stacking that game with three players, or if you prefer Tyreek, I still haven't decided on that. Um, Raheem Mostert, 6,600 Fandle, 6,000 DK is a top three running back value on both sites. He is currently in both optimals on the solver. Uh, Let's jump to the Jaguars game, a nine-point spread here, 26.75 team total for the Jaguars in a game with a 44.5-point total against the Texans. Uh, Pat, this looks like a bounce-back spot for the Jags. Um, look like they might get rolling a little bit in Week 1, a complete dud versus the Chiefs with uh, Chris Jones back. But this is a Houston secondary uh, that's already struggled a bit, and now they're down uh, Derek Stingley. This looks like a pretty good um Calvin Ridley spot, especially with uh Travis Etienne probably being chalky. Like I like playing alpha wide receivers that are going to be under owned because other alphas are going to be super popular. But um this is a blow-up spot here for for uh the Jags, I think. So how are you playing this, especially with Zay Jones possibly being out?
1: I think he is out, right? Or is he? Is he, is he, rolled he, out? he got officially he is. ruled out. Yeah.
0: Okay, cool.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't, this is going to be really interesting to see how the Jags deploy their personnel this week. Cause when mm. I was looking at the matchup, I thought they might be kind of back a little bit away from the, the heavy three wide receiver sets that they rolled out against the chiefs and back uh, to more two wide receiver sets. And we might see less Christian Kirk, but that was under the assumption that Zay Jones would be able to play. I'm not sure how they're going to kind of do this. I'm kind of curious to see, but that really doesn't have an effect on Calvin Ridley who will be out there all the time. And I agree. Mm-hmm. I think this is a really good spot for Ridley. We got, I think like real information in week one, that this guy is going to be a huge part of their offense. Um, then he does, and you know, it's, it's like, okay, Kirk comes back to life and maybe this is going to be more spread out, but I'm willing to say like, let's bet that it that it's back to Ridley. You know, he's he kind yeah. of showed us even through two weeks, I think, what we want to see. You know, he's got 25% targets per route run, which is really nice. He is playing uh, basically all outside. So if they do kind of go more with a little bit of like a power look um, and, and try to establish ETN here, then Ridley could also benefit from that. So I like ETN in this spot, but if he's going to be chalky, I think in some ways that could help Ridley. I think there's like some outcomes where, Christian Kirk doesn't play a ton on the outside and Ridley's I'm not even sure who their fourth wide receiver is but competing against you know lower target competition because we we aren't seeing three wide receiver sets quite as much just based on how the Jaguars might want to attack here and kind of establish it a little bit more against an inferior opponent
0: yeah they got like Jamal Agnew hybrid who they throw targets to or it's just like right Ingram. Or, or in Ingram playing in the slot, who actually Ingram's interesting because he's third on the team and in- in target share, fifth among tight ends and target share. We've already had two pass catchers pop, like you know, maybe they spread it out, but I, I still like Ridley a lot here. Uh, Daigle, this spot's interesting because a couple weeks ago we would say, Well, we probably don't have bringbacks on the Tex- Texan side. Now we have like two pretty damn good bringbacks. We got a high dot guy, Nico Collins, and then we got Tank Dell, who led the team in targets last week. So, um, even if it is in garbage time, I kind of like the Texans wide receivers here. Uh, you know, he, he, Houston's he's throwing it a little bit. You talked about it, um, with Paulson, uh, yesterday. So how are you feeling about these pass catchers?
2: And like when I suggest someone redraft waiver wire column, and then they're put into a different tier. It's like we're talking about two different things. Like Josh Reynolds was a great pickup and is a good play this week. We'll get to that game in a bit. Um, but we don't need to put him in like tier two of wide receivers. He's not Nico Collins, right? <laughs> That's kind of what's happening with Tank Dell right now. Is like he had a good game. Everyone saw him in the preseason. And now they're considering him next to Nico Collins. But you don't understand. Nico Collins is ascending and breaking out as we thought he may without Brandon Cooks to be targeted on 25% of his routes to have a team high target share with a 13 and a half yard depth of target. So he's getting all these targets downfield as well uh, with this 23 and percent target share. That's the player we want. And more importantly, for DFS, that's the player get lost. Because in DraftKings in particular, everyone wants to pay down. Everyone will see Tank Dell as the team leader in targets last week, whenever Nico Collins just right there in an uncomfortable spot at 5,300, when you could argue he should be a 6'6'5 six, six, receiver. So, regardless of how you play the Jaguars, Nico Collins is an amazing standalone play in this slate.
1: I completely agree with that. I mean, Nico Collins has a 14.4 ADOT, so he's like a true downfield, deep threat guy. 25% targets per route run, which is awesome. He's seeing a ton of first reads as well, 22% first read target rate, which is elite. So like, he's getting this volume that's supported by the play calling, and the combination of getting a high target rate plus a lot of downfield targets is leading to uh, an expected yards per route run I have is four point two point four nine. He's overperforming that he's got an elite 2.86 yards per route run. He's not running as many routes as I would like. He he only has 72% route participation. He was actually below Dell last week, which I thought was weird, but that's like the only real hole that you can poke in his profile. When he's out there, he's getting treated like a true number one wide receiver. Uh, He also, I thought was like kind of sneaky good last year. I know Matt Harmon's written um, that he's, you know, liked what he saw out of him last year. He improved a ton in ESPN's open score last year. So this is kind of looks like a breakout to me. Uh, I think he's a really strong play. And if people are going to go to Dell instead of Collins, I, I think that's an opportunity.
0: Yeah. I think this is probably the last spot out of uh, the first two games that we mentioned that I could see running like um, a Trevor Warren skinny with, with a Nico bring back and then just sprinkling in players from the other games. After that, I'm pretty trepidatious about the uh the game stacks or even the quarterback stacks um starting with this next game here we have the ravens eight and a half point favorites 26.25 team total against the colts the the uh total is 44 here we did get news today that justice hill is out so uh daigle i was gonna planned on asking you only about zay flowers because you mentioned him um on the podcast with paulson but uh let's double it up or are you interested in Gus Edwards now since he's going to be in this, like he's in this popular salary tier, but because of that, um, probably not going to get a lot of ownership. Um, Or is it a Zay Flowers explosion game against a Colts team that allows the second most points to wide receivers so far?
2: The only holes I poke in Gus Edwards, even reaching a, his salary on either site is that what is his ceiling since the Ravens, despite the reports out of camp clearly yeah. do not pass to their backfield. They are 31st yeah. in backfield target rate. They're just not getting targets at all. And so you have to, in this kind of slate, like you have to either go over hundred yards or score a touchdown with triple digits. So it's just tough to take them seriously, especially because the Colts are a pass funnel. They've now allowed six PPR six, four different wide receivers to reach 16 PPR points. Um, and four different wide receivers to score a touchdown as well. And so if that's the way, the Ravens are yet again going to attack, and this is one of the games under consideration for the weather, but it does seem to make better for Zay Flowers and Mark Andrews. No Odell Beckham in this game, so Nelson Aguilar will step in. I don't think I want to go there that cheap. I like some other guys around him, but either way, yes, Zay Flowers seems like one of those guys where I'm going to let the field tell me what I'm doing with him Sunday morning.
0: Yeah, we don't really have any Ravens popping in our projections this week, um, even though they do have the um, the big spread. It's it's just kind of a, a rough spot uh, for the reasons you mentioned. But we do have a couple Colts popping decently in the projections. Um, Zach Moss looks like a really good value at his salary, but he has eight and a half point underdog. Michael Pittman, seventh in the league in weighted opportunity rating. Uh, Ravens have allowed the seventh most fantasy points to wide receivers. Corrine, do you have any interest in either of these players?
1: Yeah, and Daigle, uh had had the Zach Moss call last week. Uh, yes, that was really nice. Ninety-eight percent snap share for Zach Moss. I mean, it's I didn't wild. think that. I didn't yeah. think that
2: was coming. Yeah, I knew they hated <laughs> D.L. Jackson. I just didn't realize that much.
1: They really hated him. Yeah, he eighty-six yeah. percent of the team attempts. Uh, he ran routes at ninety-one percent clip. Like the backfield is Zach Moss for probably this week and next week. Um, so I think he's in play like you're getting a whole backfield, <laughs> you know, that's that's kind of rare. So um, it's almost like doesn't matter to me what the overall kind of setup is when you can just capture an entire backfield like that. And then, yeah, I think Michael Pittman is set up really well. I think Gardner Minshew probably helps him just in terms of pass volume. You know, I think Richardson actually has played pretty well so far, but Minshew going to bring that pass volume and uh, Michael Pittman under a new coaching staff. You know, one of my questions entering the season was like, is he going to run every single route? Because that was like kind of sneakily one of the things that made him really fantasy relevant is that he just never, ever left the field. And, you know, they had all the kind of guys coming in last year. He he was in that role. And then under this new coaching staff this year, 98 percent route participation. So he's out there all the time still. And he has a huge lead in in target share, targets per route run, first read targets, anything you want to look at. He's got a huge lead over Alec Pierce and Josh Downs. 32% target share, 37% air yard share, an elite 0.73 Whopper. Like He has a huge share of this uh, passing game. If the Ravens are going to push the Colts and the Colts are going to pass more than normal with Minshew, I think Pittman's pretty interesting. I actually think Minshew's kind of interesting too.
2: And I don't know, to that point, Corrine, I don't know if the Ravens' big total here is warranted. Um, Mm -hmm. because we haven't seen their defense pushed yet. They still don't have Marcus Williams and Marlon Humphrey, two of their top four highest paid players on the team in this game. And they've opened the season with C.J. Stroud in his debut and Joe Burrow in a Bengals offense, the only offense in the league averaging less than four yards per play right now. So we haven't seen anyone be worthy to push him. Like what if Shane Steichen and Gardner Minshew are the ones to make this total go higher? Then we do have some fun little skinny stacks of Zay Flowers and Michael Pittman. You mentioned his 32% target share. Whenever Minshew came off the bench last week, Michael Pittman was targeted on 40.9% of Minshew's throws it got even wow. higher so like yeah. it is like a sneaky little skinny blow-up spot here
0: yeah 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 i like i like the skinnies a lot in this game like i i don't love zach moss as an eight and a half point underdog because he's just project he- he's so cheap especially on, on dk after that like people are just are going to see that 100 touch share yeah. and yeah. played at 5500 we have him in that like 18 to 20 percent ownership range right now um i i don't know if like there's just so many good running back values that i'm kind of wouldn't be surprised if we get sunday and that's a little bit lower than expected but if we get Pittman at half the ownership of zach moss i really like that spot and he's actually projecting like as a better cash gameplay um right now we have him as a top two fan dual wide receiver value uh price below 7k and he's in the fan dual optimal right now so even though he's like i don't know if people just click and see him in optimals or if they just take the um discount on on zach moss but i have a feeling that uh pittman's gonna be pretty low owned even though he's like popping as a good value this week Hmm. i could see that that. uh bill's at commanders bill six and a half point favorites 25 point total 43 and a half point game total um nothing like super pops about this game except for we got a couple like possible injuries james cook uh late injury report dawson knox limited practice participant but the thing that stands out to me is like a super obvious contrarian spot like Diggs could blow up in any game obviously one of the most elite wide receivers in the league and he's just going to carry no ownership because everything's going to uh tyreek and justin jefferson who are priced like a thousand above him, but kind of in within his range is Keenan Allen, who's also going to get a ton of ownership. So, like, we're going to get digs at like seven or eight percent, which is very, very interesting. So, um, I, I know Cooks has been getting pulled in the red zone, but uh a cook, I'm sorry, but I mean, against a really good pass rush, like maybe he's just like an elevated target guy to kind of alleviate that, maybe a PPR monster this week. Uh, what's your take, Pat, on the Bills this week?
1: Yeah, I like that take of like, you know, one of the things about writing the walkthrough is kind of funny. is like I don't consume a lot of content as I'm doing it, um, and I don't really know like where everyone else is at. Now, it's something like with the the Chargers and, and Tyreek and like Waddle potentially being out. I was like, yeah, Tyreek's going to be pretty popular this week. Yeah. That's not hard. to But it's, you know, you can kind of like write up all this stuff and there's some some things that really jump out as obvious. But then in DFS, you come to it and it's like, there's nothing about this game that really jumps out to me you know, Mm. but I agree with you. Like it's Stefan Diggs, it's the Bills. And there's no reason that they couldn't have a strong performance. And if everyone else is just going to be elsewhere, I think this is one of the spots to look at. Cook is interesting. I both am worried about the goal line stuff and maybe not as worried for this week specifically. Like I think, I actually think like Dawson Knox potentially being out might hurt Cook a little bit. because I I read this as they were going to, go back to more of the week one two tight end kind of like showing the run looks type of, type of stuff um, against the Raiders. It's like, you can just beat them through the pass so easily. It's like, they, they didn't need to kind of mess with that. They had a little right. bit lower, still a lot of the two tight end stuff, but instead of over 50%, it was in the 30%. And I was thinking they might go back to that. And that's probably good for cook. They're going to be a little bit more, a little bit more running, a little bit more probably dump off passing to him. To beat uh, a pretty decent pass rush here, but I do think that Diggs could could be a strong play, and I think Cook, you're betting on explosiveness, even though you're probably not getting the goal line work.
0: Yeah, looks like uh, Cook not listed on the injury report. Knox, I think full it was a personal matter. Gotcha, and Knox full participant today, so um, oh, it nice. looks like okay. they they should be at uh, at full strength there. Daigle, Washington side is kind of weird uh brian robinson's been dominating uh touch shares so far but i mean they could get in a negative game script this week and if that happens i I wonder if we see things change a little bit um as far as the pass catchers go like we just haven't seen anyone separate uh as far as targets and and we don't really see Big eight outs right now. Terry McLaurin got that deep touchdown uh, last week, but no commander uh, at or above 20% target share. Um, do you have any interest in, in Brian Robinson this week, or do you think maybe the touches uh, merge a little bit if they get behind?
2: He makes my list, but he's kind of in that uncomfortable area in a worrisome game script where I just don't know. You mentioned the touch share, too. Since Antonio Gibson fumbled in the second quarter of week one, Robinson has out-touched him 35-5. to five. Gibson just hasn't been a part of the game plan whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and so, yes, that would be the option. We're also still waiting to see about Curtis Samuel, who's questionable, Logan Thomas out this game. So maybe mm-hmm. targets do get a little more condensed. If so, Jahan Dotson is the one who pops as a value, since he's still at least out there as a full-time player. Terry McLaurin's runner out on 80% of dropbacks, which is good, but he's still the clear second receiver maybe because he's still slowly working his way back from that preseason toe injury, but that's kind of all that's on my radar. If you're, if you're trying to find some sneakier options here,
1: I would also yeah. say McLaurin for your, like your battle Royale type stuff. I don't know if you going mm-hmm. to him in DFS, but he's not, you, you got to scroll down to get him. And I think he is actually kind of interesting. I think he might be kind of coming back. A little bit he mm-hmm. he saw two more first three targets last week than in week one and his profile looks pretty similar in terms of like how he's earning targets when out on the field to Dotson and again if a guy is not healthy and he's like got the same target profile as his healthy teammate and we thought he was better before the season I'm like hey maybe maybe let's be a week early on oh Terry's back and again probably not for DFS but any like the uh, you know, prop stuff, battle royale stuff. I think he's a little interesting.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of uh just messing with Bills' standalone plays in this one. I, 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 it's tough, tough sell with, with uh, Washington this week. Should note for cash games, Bills are 2,900 on DraftKings. Um, a six and a half point favorite priced under three K. That's usually a lock for cash games. Um, I wanted to talk about these late games together just cause it's, it's kind of a funky setup. As I mentioned, we have nine games early and then we have three games late with two of them uh, being expected blowouts. chiefs favored by 12 and a half Cowboys also favored by 12 and a half against one team. That's absolutely reeling in the bears and one team that, you know, playing better than expected in the Cardinals, but uh, I mean, Cowboys have just been world beaters so far. Um, Daigle, does either of these games stand out to you as one that we can stack with all these other um early games? Uh uh, like really expecting to be heavy chalk?
2: It would still be Chiefs Bears for me. Uh, hmm. I don't know how I would play it. Patrick Mahomes, anytime he comes in, like under around 5%, seems like something that should be always be on our radar. You don't even need to play the wide receivers. You don't want to. It could just be him and Kelsey. But then you have to ask, how do you fit in Jefferson and or Tyreek Hill? So that becomes one problem yeah. for this slate. And then also, who do you play it back with? Maybe even like a Roshan Johnson kind of was the first hmm. player that came to mind for me, but also – there's so many running back values. I don't think you need to go there around 4,700, even though he did he did earn that 19.5% target share in garbage time in week one. For the Bears, though, it is interesting because eventually something's going to pop here, whether it be like the organization or Justin Fields, but he's getting the <laughs> passing volume he didn't get last year. Like he's averaging 33 pass attempts per game. All you need to do is mix in a couple more runs, and he's back to being that top five quarterback he was last year. So one of these games, and if it's against the Chiefs, all bets are off. This is a 65 point total, and no one's going to survive the people who stack this game. One of these weeks, I can't guarantee you it's this one, though. Justin Fields will get the design runs back, and when that's the case, both the offenses will go nuts. I just don't know if it's this one.
0: Yeah, we have like some late shock: uh, Tony Pollard, Travis Kelsey on Fanduel, Zach Ertz. Um, uh, just because he's cheap and, and is getting standard. volume, uh, I know. Um, Miles Sanders, Isaiah P- is so weird. <laughs> I know yeah I know you. still funny. Though. Uh, yeah, uh, Miles Sanders, Isaiah Pacheco, and, and Kenneth Walker all project well, but again, like so much chalk in the early window. I mean, kind of bound- going off of what Daigle said, like, are you Pat trusting the? I mean, Justin Fields goes back to like his whatever he said not thinking and and, and playing and maybe keeping this game close and and keeping it stackable um and if we do play any of the few chuck players in this late game are there any crazy late swaps that we can get off of i mean it's the the pickings are so thin because with only three games
1: yeah i don't really see any like crazy late swat stuff i'll I'll keep looking but nothing jumped out um for the fields thing like you know I know that he's missed a bunch of throws and he's to blame for a lot of their struggles. Um, but also like the coaching is definitely to blame, like call some design runs for Justin Fields. I don't know. It doesn't seem that yeah. hard. doesn't seem like that should be something that's uh, just, you didn't think of like, you, <laughs> this is the same coaching staff as last year. Like, I know remember? it's the same thing they, they did.
0: It's, it's wild. Yeah.
1: So uh, I, I don't have much hope for the bears. You know, I don't think this is something Justin Fields can fix himself. Uh, they, he needs some help and, I don't know that he's going to get it, but I do have some faith in the Chiefs specifically just like Mahomes, Kelsey, like Mahomes and Kelsey, I think are going to get it done this week. The Bears are uh, real bad against the pass. Yeah. Um, and the thing that's interesting about the Chiefs is even though, you know, they've struggled this year compared to, to what we're normally expecting them to do, they have been in game scripts that they could have been very run heavy if they wanted. Like they have not been in game scripts that have a high expected pass rate. And yet they lead the NFL with a 15% pass rate of expected. They are 15% pass rate of expected on first down, which is a sign of aggressiveness. Uh, they are a team that views their passing games the way they win. The Bears defense last year, you could do whatever you wanted against the Bears. You could run, you could pass. This year, their their run defense like has been okay. Their pass defense still looks horrendous. So Andy Reid is like, sweet, I'm just going to pass all over these guys. And I think it's probably flowing through Kelsey. The, the receivers were seeing no reason. It's really weird. Like, MVS and Sky are just, like, eating routes. Like, these dudes cannot get targets to save their life. And then Justin Watson, weirdly, is getting targeted at a decently high rate. Uh, and Kairos Tony, who won't be in this game, is getting targeted at a very high rate. And then uh, Rashid Rice is getting targeted at a pretty high rate, one on the field. But those guys aren't on the field. So it's like the guys who can get targeted – aren't playing and the guys who are playing can't get targeted. So I don't want to mess with any of it this week. It's just kind of like a Mahomes, Kelsey uh, skinny stack with no bring back is kind of appealing to me. What else do I do after that? I don't know yet.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's always tough on DraftKings with, um, Mahomes and Kelsey because they take up so much salary. Like you're going to get moderate uh, ownership on them because of that, but on Fanduel it, it seems to work a little bit better. Um, and the projections kind of bear that out. Mahomes and Kelsey are both the top values um, on Fanduel. Mahomes actually in the Fanduel optimal as well as Pacheco, um, Tony Pollard the top overall value on both sides. He is in our DK optimal. Um, other players projecting well um, in the late. Sl- Late. Amari Cooper, Zach Ertz, as I mentioned, and Kenneth Walker, all kind of like in the cash game mix. Um, I mean, after those games, it is pretty damn thin. Is there are there any other games that we care about? I mean, obviously, we'll get one-offs everywhere, but from a stacking perspective, guys, I had nothing <laughs>
2: from from the afternoon. Um, no, uh, from the first slate of games, the only two other spots I would mention like we have to talk about Deshaun watson who like this is the yeah. litmus test game like against the titans defense that has allowed back-to-back 300 yard passers uh yet again a pass funnel this year and watson we just haven't had a chance to see it yet week one that rain game where both he and joe burrow couldn't even hold on to the ball and then week two home opener for pittsburgh they lose nick chubb halfway through they have to they have to rejigger their entire offense for the second half like it just wasn't good news. We at least have excuses. There are no excuses this one. Like this is the spot right here. So we'll see what happens, but either way, Amari Cooper and Elijah Moore are terrific values and they've created their own little target tree with Watson. Cooper's getting 25% of the targets, Moore's getting 23% of the targets. Moore's even gotten 3 carries on the season as well. They're finding ways to shove him the ball. So you can go to either of those players. And then just how the defenses work out, like if the Panthers had any juice whatsoever, Bryce Young has been so bad that maybe Dalton, even being, <laughs> I think he's low an upgrade average, right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he de- he definitely is. Like, dude, both Seattle and-, and the Panthers are just like they're ravaged with injuries. Uh, even Tariq Woolen, Seattle's already. Last year, they only got beat in the middle. We talked about that last week. This year, they're also getting beat on the boundary. Tariq Woolen injured last week. Panthers lost JC Horn on IR. Shaq Thompson now out for the year as well. Like They are just blown up. And so it seems like both of those games are great spots to get pieces of. Uh, I just don't know how I would play Carolina-Seattle. it would probably take some faith in Jonathan Mingo at 3,400, who – did run a route on 98 percent of dropbacks like he's out there he hasn't been good he's been terrible
1: he's been very bad
2: but he's an athlete and he's out there with an accurate quarterback now so it just takes a little bit of faith in those games but the disaster is there to make it work
0: yeah i uh when, when salaries came out early in the week and the way everybody had been playing tennessee i thought you know maybe deshaun watson will be in my player pool and then um we got the totals and I saw that the game total was 39 and a half on that game with all these other like spots. It's just, it's just hard to, to, to look at that. I mean, I think at least one of us has said this every week so far, but if Kenneth Walker comes in at like 11 or 12%, this is a smash spot for him. Um, So, I mean, you know, he got the touchdowns last week. Um, The, the yards per carry is abysmal, but uh, and he can add- have Char- short
2: Charbonnet got more raw touches But Mm -hmm. Kenneth Walker's rate of the team's backfield carries increased. It increased to 77% in week two. So he's still getting the touches that like we care about most, especially if we think like this game, that's how they run it through. With DK Metcalf, I would think truly questionable. DMPs Wednesday and Thursday, limited on Friday. Um, Yeah, it just seems like that's kind of where they would go here.
0: Uh, one low salary, probably slow pace game is the Lions and the Falcons. But one crazy note from that, um, DraftKings just didn't touch Josh Reynolds' salary. So he's priced as the wide receiver 14 on Fandle, but the wide receiver 44 on DraftKings. So he's yeah. just like a crazy, weird wide receiver value. Like, I don't know if there's much upside, but he's automatically going to be in our cash game pool just because he's so mispriced on DraftKings. It's super weird. I don't know what happened there.
2: We talk about a slate filled with rain. That's that's my other game. I talked about <laughs> okay. Broncos and Dolphins. Falcons-Lions is one where I could see it being a boon for fantasy points if everything clicks. Uh, the Lions. Reynolds-Kyle-Pitts about- minis?
1: Is that what you're telling me?
0: Oh, I was, go- I was going LaPorta, Kyle Pitts, double tight end. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh,
2: so the Lions, James Houston is their best pass rusher, according to pro football focus grades. So they're missing James Houston this game. And then also Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, their starting safety who had a 50-yard pick six in week one, he's also out. So they are already ravaged. They have one sack on the year two. Uh, so we think the Falcons can attack them. The question is, are they able to push Desmond Are they Ritter, able to
1: call passing plays? That yeah. too.
2: And that might not matter, but are they able to push Desmond Ritter as the Packers did? Because Ritter then became the QB 12, 10 carries, 22 fantasy points. Like, that's how we get there with the 5K Desmond Ritter or Jared Goff throwing on the other side. Like, we just need both these both these offenses to push one another. But indoors in a rain-based slate, uh, we might be able to get there. Not to mention because with no David Montgomery, and this could happen with the Chiefs, by the way, if Isaiah Pacheco's ruled out since he was limited on Friday – what we saw with the Giants, Saquon Barkley, as we expected, they became more pass-heavy. Uh, it's not a one-for-one one offense, and that could happen with Dave Montgomery. Maybe they're just become more pass-heavy, and now we're running the offense through Jameer Gibbs through the air and Jared Goff, as opposed to actually leaning on Craig Reynolds for those 18 and a half carries that Montgomery averaged. If so, that's how both these offenses get there indoors and like feel the stat sheet. And so I'm kind of looking at it in that direction. Y'all mentioned Kyle Pitts. This is the lowest he's ever been on DraftKings. And I, I'm not even trying to sell you playing him. I'm just so telling far. you, this is the cheapest he's ever so been. Far. I kind of, the sickest thing I'll ever say, and I'm going to say it one time, and then we're never going to talk about it again. Kind of like Mac Hollins in this game.
1: Oh, God.
2: Because where mm. the Lions have been attacked <laughs> is the boundary. And both Drake London and Mac Hollins, they've combined for just 18 slot routes. That's all Kyle Pitts. Those two guys only play on the boundary. And you ask, okay, why not Drake London? One, because Drake London's not 3,500. More importantly, Matt Collins has a higher target share. He has 20% of the team's targets. And his ADOT is four yards higher than Drake London's. Like, to me, that's what I look at whenever I'm trying to attack this defense. So, I'll say that. I hate that that makes sense. Ugly
0: is it's going to so get annoyed. for me. If that hits, I'm going to be so annoyed because we're just going to like live with that hitting and I'm not, there's no way I'm playing it. <laughs> are um, you,
1: Diego, are you playing Jameer Gibbs?
2: I may play five players from that game because they're underpriced. Wow. Wow! They're, they are Kyle Pitts, Matt Collins, if you want to say Drake London, um, J- uh, Jameer Gibbs, Josh Reynolds, Jared Goff, Desmond Ritter. I just name guys that are like 5K and under. It doesn't make sense. I don't understand why because um, it is one that could go over 50 points. So uh, that's one environment I'm looking at strongly. All right. That's
0: well, intriguing. Caught us off guard there. Um, I'm sorry. Going going from that end of the spectrum to to the the chalkiest plays. Um, the chalkiest not plays that let's, one. That's not the chalkiest plays. I can no, tell you. That. No, 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 it's not. Um, Weirdly, let's let's play a quick little game of player fade. Um, passing game ownership. Just tell me you could go either way with the Daigle. Uh, uh, one of the teams you want to uh, play or the teams you want to fade. The uh, highest passing game ownership right now. We have Chargers and Vikings by a mile, and then Dolphins and Chiefs a little behind them.
2: I want to play the Dolphins.
0: All right. I like that. Uh,
1: Pat. I want to play the Dolphins too. I also want to play the Vikings. Uh, and I'm down to fade the Chargers.
0: Yeah, I think I'm playing a lot of Dolphins this week. Um, I think I'm playing a lot of Chiefs on FanDuel. Uh, chalk players, player fade, the chalkiest players right now. We have Mike Williams, Justin Jefferson, Bills defense, Tony Pollard, Keenan Allen, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Etienne. Pat, anyone that you have a strong... Lean on there. Uh,
1: I think the Chargers' wide receivers are the ones that I'm probably going to be fading the most. It's easy for me to see how they fail as big yeah. chalk. Uh, I think Josh Kelly could be part of that reason. Also, like I'm not sure these guys have massive, massive ceilings. You know, so I don't. I agree. Like you know, if if, he, if they're going to eat huge ownership because of the game environment, um, you know, maybe they have good but not great games, and I can find more. Uh, unique stuff
0: Diego,
2: i would fade i guess it is the chargers just given context the slate because the chiefs are interesting i can already like envision uh isaiah pacheco being ruled out i drop from jefferson to addison and then i get up to mahomes tyreek and kelsey somehow i can already envision that lineup happening
0: all right, I uh, I want to be way so. over on. I want to be way over on Tyreek. Um, I'm gonna be under on ETN, especially for Super Chalky. I like the Jaguars' uh passing game. Um, this week, especially for minis. Uh, with those uh Texans receivers, with Nico Collins especially. Uh, before we get into our favorite plays of the week at East. Each position want to remind everybody about prize picks. Prize picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. Go to pricepicks.com slash DFS MVP and use the code DFS MVP for a first deposit match up to $100 Uh, for week three. Hopefully you guys get these uh, in while you still have a chance. We have some really good spots this week. Gus Edwards with Justice Hill out. We like him for more than 48 and a half rushing yards. Tyreek Hill with Jalen Waddell possibly out and even limited. We like him for more than six and a half receptions this week. And Devontae Parker versus a very tough Jets secondary. We like him for less than 36 and a half receiving yards. That $25 entry will five extra money with that three player. Pick em. Don't forget to go to pricepicks.com slash Use the code DFS for a first deposit match up to $100. Price picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, let's get into it. Our favorite plays of the week. You guys can take any angle you want. Cash game, GPP, however you want to play it. And I will give a quick cash game note on the end. Pat, who's your favorite quarterback this week?
1: Kirk Cousins. Uh, you know, nothing nothing super shocking here. But especially, TJ, after you are saying, like, there's a chance, you know, Addison gets cut out and, like, maybe just from a, um, you know, he's not that cheap and – he's not running all the routes. Maybe he is more unique than I was worried he would be, or, you know, i I wanted him to be, but then I was worried he wouldn't be. So if I can go with cousins and Addison and maybe not play Jefferson, I think that's kind of a fun way to, to kick things off. Hawkinson is, is definitely a consideration for me is, as, as a double as well.
0: Yeah. I would, the one thing I would say about that was like, if cousin gets there, like he gets there with doubles, right? Cause he's not getting there yeah. through rushing. So like, I kind of, I, I think like, I think you could play Addison with Jefferson and cousins. Like I think you could play him with Jefferson and actually, it might even like,
1: I like that. I too. think I might yeah. even like it more. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's good. Number.
0: Daigle. Who's your favorite quarterback this week?
2: Uh I like to always look and see what y'all are doing and then just give everyone another example. <laughs> and so I mentioned him earlier. If you want to spin down at quarterback, Russell Wilson is popping in our ceiling projections as well. Again, it's, it's very hard To figure out where you would stack them, which will turn everyone off from that offense naturally. But if we think like the overall total gets there, it's probably because the Vikings or the Broncos helped them out. So Russell Wilson, I think, is a value in this slate.
0: If you play Wilson, who are you pairing him with? Adam Troutman. Interesting. Okay. Again, I mean,
2: given where I can save money at compared to the other guys in this slate. I think that one makes, I mean, all relative, but it makes sense.
0: I will say like if the two players that we're projecting the best are Jefferson and Tyreek and everybody's playing one or the other, if we could figure out a way to get both of them in our lineup, like maybe that's what we try to figure out how to do. I I don't know if it's possible. I haven't tried to build around that yet, but like maybe we try to do that.
2: So. Without playing Desmond rendered and Matt Collins to get both of them in our lineup is what you're saying. <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. Matt, that's our for Matt that, Collins I presented one way. That's if you're playing Matt Collins, you better be playing Jefferson and Tyreek
1: together. Yeah, absolutely. you better be that. Yeah,
0: absolutely. <laughs> that yeah, that should be your locker role in the solver. Um, you can tell Mike, I've already played with this. So I have the answer for you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Um, my quarterback is Patrick Mahomes, 9200 Fanduel, 8300 on DraftKings, and we we just don't see Mahomes is weird because like unlike these Jalen Hurts, uh, Josh Allen, like he's not gonna win you the week with rushing alone. So like it's really hard to make him the best value. One thing we like everybody's gonna be looking at this uh this Chargers game and looking at that total and it's projecting so much higher. If we look at the team totals. The chiefs are the one lapping the field. They're the one projected for over 30 points with no other uh, team projected for 28 or more points. So they are really the team that should be lapping the field. Standalone. We have Mahomes projected for 20% over the field in terms of fantasy points versus the other quarterbacks. His value scores 50% higher than any other quarterback. The bears are last in EPA per pass play allowed on defense. Uh, I mean I Mahomes is just never a cash game play for me because of the things I stated but I mean he he might be the cash game quarterback this week even though it might be hard to get to. Uh Dagle running back. Uh we haven't even talked about this game.
2: We haven't talked about this game or this guy. And I don't know if anyone scrolled down on either DraftKings or FanDuel but we're in a salary discussion because what can you get if you spend 4300 in particular on DraftKings on Kendry Miller, because even in a slate full of value, forty three hundred. That reminds me of the one time I used to play MLB D- DFS and Fanduel oh accidentally God, left. What are we doing? Fanduel accidentally left Kiki Hernandez at hundred dollars. They mispriced him overnight, and the winning millie lineup had him, although he finished with zero because of what salary allowed you to do. Kendry Miller and a forty three hundred dollar running back. That just doesn't exist. It doesn't happen anymore. And here he is, limited all last week, didn't make it to Monday night, full practice all week, ahead of week three, and no Jamal Williams. They didn't even want to use Tony Jones. Tony Jones got out carried by Taysom Hill 3-1 to until Jamal Williams was injured. And then they had no other running back available. And then they used Tony Jones after that. But Kendrick Miller's a 96% 96% athlete who averaged 6.7 yards per carry and now has no one in his way. And I think a favorable game script since we expect Jordan Love to finally stop pulling the wool over everyone's eyes soon. Like an 11.5% touchdown rate is not continuing. So I kind of like a little Kendrick Miller Saints correlation defense here.
0: I, I love how the podcast has just evolved from I'm us sorry. breaking down every game to no, not to now we're just like do everything to jam Tyreek and Justin Jefferson. That's just what we've, we've, we've mean, reached.
1: This is, I mean, the Matt Collins one, I was a little bit in shock, but I kind of love this case. Jordan I I
0: like. No, I like this this one a lot,
1: too. Kendrick Miller is a very interesting prospect. Seemed to have a pretty strong summer before he dealt with the hamstring injury. Full practice all week, love that. Jordan Love is last in the NFL in completion percentage over expected. This Saints defense, I think the strength is going to be the coverage side, not not getting to to Love. But that's like, if you have an inaccurate quarterback who's mobile – a good coverage uh, defense is not what you want. So I think uh, I just love that. The Kendra Miller, the the Saints defense, I'm in.
0: Who else do you love?
1: I love uh, Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker. I was on the Swolecast uh, this week. And I kept trying to talk about Ramondre Stevenson and, uh, David Kitchen kept interrupting me to tell me I should be talking about Kenneth Walker, which I found (laughs) very obnoxious. Uh, but I hadn't run up the Seahawks yet. And then I realized after the fact that he was right all along, I should have been talking about Kenneth Walker. This is a really awesome spot for him. Uh, even with, you know, Andy Dalton out there probably being a little bit of an improvement, just given how, (laughs) how poor Bryce Young has been, uh, this year. Um, this looks like a, a potential eruption spot for Walker. The thing about him, yeah, you mentioned the the rushing has not been good with Kenneth Walker, but he is a home run hitter, you know, and we've got two games where he hasn't hit any home runs. And so he looks bad, but it's two games. It's two games. We know this guy from last year from his prospect profile. He's a very talented rusher. And now he's set up in a script where the Seahawks are going to be delighted to be able to run the ball against an Andy Andy Dalton offense on the other side. Um, and the other thing about Walker is that uh, he does have a 105 rating and elusive rating right now, which is excellent. Like he is breaking tackles. He just hasn't hit those long runs yet. Uh, I think that he could definitely do that game volume or uh, play volume here. Maybe not ideal, but I've got a breakaway runner. Uh, I think he can I think he can be one of the guys you, you're really feeling like you had to have this week.
0: Yeah. As I mentioned um, earlier, it sounds like, I think we've said it every week, but Kenneth Walker just feels like absolute smash this week. Um, as I mentioned earlier, when talking about the Cowboys, Tony Pollard is four for fours top overall value across both sites. Again, this week's going to come down to like, if you want to spin up at quarterback and receiver or running back and wide receiver. Um, but Tony Pollard is the top value this week uh, going to wide receiver. Uh, Pat, if we've been listening since the beginning, we know you love him. Who's your favorite wide
1: receiver this week? Uh, yeah, I don't need to do the spiel again. It's, it's Jordan Addison for me.
0: Yeah, beautiful. I love the Addison play. Like I said, uh, double him up. Uh, Dagle, who's your favorite play this week?
2: Another option we don't need to spend too much time on is Josh Reynolds is still too cheap. 17.8 PPR points per game. The team's only end zone target. And that was with Amon Ross St. Brown at full health. What if this toe injury that forced him to just have one catch or five yards in the second half lingers? What is Josh Reynolds ceiling? So Reynolds all the way.
0: Yeah, and we didn't talk about this game too much. We, we mentioned it at the end, but from a cash game perspective, Amari Cooper looks like the best wide receiver play on the slate. 6,200 Fandle, 5,700 DraftKings against that uh, Titans pa- pass funnel. They've allowed the least fantasy points to running backs, the third most to wide receivers. Um, after Justin Jefferson and Tyree Kill, Amari Cooper is the best wide receiver value on 4 for 4 on both sides. Um, he's in both optimals. Mark Cooper's the best wide receiver cash game play on the slate. Um, Let's assume that Jalen Waddle is limited uh, or out uh, Daigle, or maybe it doesn't matter. Who's your favorite tight end?
2: I don't think it matters because Jerov Smythe has led the Dolphins in routes run in both games. Not over the course of the season, individually, weeks one and two, Durham Smythe ran more routes than Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. That's how he's being used. <laughs> now, there have been instances The good thing we where... like Mike
1: McDaniel, you know, because that, yeah. that would be used against him if we didn't.
2: There have been instances, like last week, for example, uh, there was a play where they both ran deep, he and River Craycraft, and... Smythe was wide open and Tua instead went to River Craycraft. Like, there is that, but don't worry about that. Smythe is out there in a, in a very friendly environment we've talked about throughout the show. Uh, 2,900 on DraftKings. Just play him.
0: What 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 would you be... What percentage would you be upset if you saw him? If you get to Sunday, you see his ownership percentage. What number are you? would you regret playing him at? 12%. I think he's going to be above 12. If, if if Waddle's out, I think he'll be over 12.
2: Fair. If Waddle plays, I still think he's fine.
0: Yes, I agree with that. Corrine, uh, we haven't talked about this play much. Tell us about your favorite tight end.
1: Yeah, Mark Andrews. I mean, I'm looking at that, uh, that Vikings game, and I've got, what, 6,500 Hawkinson. I've got 6,000 Mark Andrews. I mean, I think we feel pretty strongly about which one of these guys is actually better. The Ravens are in a good spot, as we talked about. Uh, They should attack through the air based on the matchup. Um, And then when you look at Mark Andrews' profile, uh, just one game this year, but the thing that really jumps out is that he has a 5.6 yards per target, which is quite, quite poor. But yards per target is the thing I want to bet against being sticky. You know, we we see a lot. We see that bounce around all over the place. He's getting targeted at a really high rate, 24% targets per route run. Uh, In his first game back, 24% target share. He had 85% raw participation, which is elite. It's a new offense. So I like seeing that Mark Andrews is back, right? We also have how healthy is he? looks healthy. The yards per target isn't there. Cool. That might keep everyone not thinking about him all that much. So he's someone where he's like pretty cheap, you know, for for what we think we can get from this level of talent and, uh, you know, in a good spot. He's someone I'm trying to figure. There's like a number of guys who are kind of, sort of one-off type type moves or kind of mini stack things that I'm trying to figure out how to fit all of it. But like uh, Andrews Pittman is, is pretty fun this week.
0: On DraftKings, expensive tight ends always kind of weird, especially projecting ownership, just because people don't like to do it. On Fandle, we could see Kelsey come in like if, if things break right, as high as three times as high owned as Andrews. Like Kelsey could be in that 18 to 20 percent range. Hawkinson could be in like that fourteen to fifteen percent range. Andrews might be down at that six or seven percent range um, on Fandle. So I, mean, I really especially on now. Fandle, especially on Fandle where the expensive tight end works better. Um, I like that a lot. Um, again, going back to my boring, boring cash game play. it's fifty one hundred. Fanduel 3500 draft kings um most targets among tight ends 10th in target share among all tight ends actually saw him get a little bit of a dot going last week which is good um has a, a little bit of meat on the bone in terms of like uh, uh expected fantasy points so uh in cash we're probably just playing urts even though it's not too exciting but that's how cash games go uh dsts They're i legal. talked
2: about mine already a little bit but Just know Jordan Love is throwing a touchdown for every eight and a half pass attempts. And last I checked, that is not sustainable. All
0: right. Uh Pat, who's your favorite? Uh and that is the Saints, everybody. Uh Pat, who's your favorite? No, you're Kendry Miller. Miller. I got you. Yep. Kendra Miller. Oh, mini stack. There we go. Um this is interesting uh defense.
1: Yeah, I kind of like the commanders because they're they're inexpensive and uh I don't see how anyone is going to be you know, flocking to play a, a defense against Josh Allen. But the Bills, they struggled against the Jets, and they get the Raiders. Um, the Raiders are just such an easy matchup. And it's just, you know, pass attempts against, Josh Allen makes mistakes, and, you know, we get there with the super cheap D.
0: Um, bills 2900 on DraftKings. As I mentioned before, anytime you have a sub 3K defense favored by basically a touchdown, um, they're pretty much going to be a cash game lock. I will leave everybody with this. I went to the solver while we were talking, I plugged in some rules on GPPs two players sub 10%, total ownership under 130%. Locked in Kendra Miller, locked in Matt Collins, locked in Tyreek Hill, locked in Jeff- Jefferson. It tells us to play Jerome Ford in that lineup. So have fun with that, guys. Uh, good luck to everybody this week. We appreciate you guys. As always, if you like uh, this podcast and want to give back to us, uh, you can rate and review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. Please give us a five-star review. Helps out a ton. If you are watching on YouTube, please like the page. Please subscribe to the page. That also helps out. Go to the description for discounts to the DFS sub and access to our Discord. Also links to Upgrade to the Solver. Links to Legendary Upside. That promo code is YouTube. YouTube uh, the word YouTube saves you 25% off of a four for four DFS plan at four for four.com slash plans. Uh, one more time, everything going on at legendary upside Pat.
1: Yeah. One thing I'd say is um, check out the legendary upside podcast feed because I've got a free preview of the narration that I do for the article. Cause it's a long article. Yes. And so I do, yes. I do narrate it as well. Uh, the entire, the entire thing for, the premium subscribers at LegendaryUpside.com, but uh, I had a free preview, and I I was having fun with the pre- free preview this week. It's like it's almost an hour, so you can get quite a bit of content uh, for free if you go to Legendary Upside podcast uh, wherever you get your podcast
0: yeah it, it is really um the best comprehensive breakdown available um as you can tell we're using it here every week uh make sure you're following all of us on x slash twitter pat is at pat crane legendary upside at legendary upside daigle is at not j daigle four for four is at four for four football i'm at tj hernandez we will talk to you guys sunday morning in the four for four discord